Right. Well, with things looking so good in agri overall, of course, one of the most talked about issues lately has been the concentration risk we hold to China and whether that's healthy and whether indeed there's a need to diversify into other markets. Um, Maddie, what do you make of this? Yeah, it certainly has been the talking point for many in the industry, not only uh, producers but uh, from politicians down in the past six to eight months is where else could we send our agricultural goods. Well, it's fairly... We all know the story of how uh, important and central the Chinese market has been to Australia's growth in agricultural exports. There's no question how important it is to our long-term prosperity. But with a new trade minister coming in um, and that trade minister looking to the EU and to Britain and to other markets for trade deals, including India, um, a lot of people are asking, well, where else could we send our goods if the absolute worst case happened and China no longer wanted to take them? The case of Australia's exports of barley to China has obviously been a little bit of a test case for the industry as a whole as to how we would react um, when one of our major markets uh, pulls out or at least has massively increased tariffs on it. So it was fairly clear with with barley that because it was such a highly traded and highly commoditised good, that really what happened is that just global trade flows shifted. We lost a bit of a premium market, but we picked up a new market um, in Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Thailand, and even Vietnam for Australia's barley exports. So things shifted around fairly quickly. That's not the case with all our commodities, unfortunately. Um, most people are concerned about commodities such as wool and uh, wool and wine, particularly. Um, with the wool market, it's an interesting one because China's actually just as reliant on us as we are on them. So if China were to pull out, yeah, of course, we would have some significant short-term supply chain issues. But at the same time, Chinese demand for wool is continuing to this day. Um, there's no sign of them pulling out and they actually need our produce to keep their manufacturing and processing industry um, going. So that one's a bit of a different case with wine, which is not such a highly commoditized good um, and relies heavily on brand and, and reputation. Um, there is a lot of thought that that uh, China pulling out of the Australian export market might have um, quite an impact in the short term. But again, it starts looking to where else would we send those goods? And with wine, while China is a premium market, there are actually more other markets that pay a higher amount for Australian wine. That includes Hong Kong and Singapore. Maddie, and so it's not just about the price differential, though, is it? It's about the depth in the market and the the capacity of our industry to move volume to? Yeah, that's absolutely absolutely right. And I have to say, when we're looking at the prices, they're all very generalised and they're not actually telling us um, what it is we're sending across. So if you look at the, the, the premium prices paid for beef, say, for China, from the Chinese market, that may be because they take a higher quality good um, than our other markets. So when we look at the premium that producers might lose in the Chinese market, it's not necessarily just about how much the Chinese are willing to pay, um, but it is also about the total global demand situation and what type of good um, the Chinese market takes from us, which may not necessarily be picked up in other markets. So that's where some of the lost premium might come in. So for the commodities that we typically see in our supply chains, uh, are there standout items or commodities that you think are more vulnerable to others? Yeah, there are certainly ones, as I, as I mentioned, the wine exports 
appear to be quite quite um, vulnerable in the short term. Also, rock lobster is obviously one that's been talked about quite often in terms of China takes almost all Australia's exports of rock lobster and vice versa. Almost all of Chinese imports of rock lobster come from Australia. So there is a really symbiotic relationship between Australia and, and China um, there that it tends to be that as China gets more reliant on our exports and we get more reliant on sending our exports to China, if that makes sense. Yes, it, it does. And um, I guess the other consideration is how much of our production is exported versus consumed locally. So if we look at the total impact of some of these shortfalls that we might be seeing in the absence of China in the market, we have some commodities where we might be 70 80% export, but others... Uh, we're consuming a, a, around half or more of what it is that we produce and thinking more towards uh, dairy and fresh produce, for example, compared to uh, sheep and beef. Yeah, absolutely. We often don't talk about that domestic demand anymore as being a real driver of prices, but it obviously is. And having said that, with beef and lamb being a little bit more highly export-focused, um, the current circumstances of restocking across the nation is obviously providing a bit of protection for that industry should um, the Chinese market pull out. So having said that, we're, we're hoping that the Chinese market certainly won't pull out at any time soon and it will continue to form a really important part of our industry going forward and for many decades to come. Maddie, you mentioned India as another potential market for Australian exporters to look at. What are some of the major Australian commodities which uh, are likely to find the best reception in the Indian market? Traditionally, India has been chickpeas, um, probably unsurprisingly. That's taken a bit of a, a hit in recent years, but there is a lot of potential um, buying going on in sort of lentils, chickpeas, that sort of area. Beef is obviously not such a market in, um, in India for, the, for Australia, um, nor, nor is our lamb exports um, or some of those things. But for a lot of our croppers, um, India is a very, very interesting market going forward, which is not to say that it's easy because the Indian market, many people have tried to enter for many years and it hasn't been particularly easy for them to do so, um, mainly because of how the Indian economy is set up and trade is set up and even travel between regions is set up and a lot of uh, exporters to India have found it to date a really difficult market to get into. Maddie, in terms of finding alternate markets, if Australia's export program were to change and Australia, for example, were to be exporting slightly less of our produce to China and more to India and some of the other markets you mentioned, Singapore, perhaps the EU. Do you see that in a way changing Australia's current structure of production balance versus beef versus grain versus sheep versus dairy? Could it, could it have a long-term effect on domestic production? It certainly could well. As we talked about before, there could be a change in the amount of premium being received for certain goods um, and and so forth. So that essentially, if we lose a premium in a certain certain market, then that may well pull production off to another another type. So from wheat to livestock, perhaps, or vice versa. Um, so certainly, there could be long term implications. But all of these things happen relatively slowly. Coppers might move from one type of cop to another, but we're not uh, likely to see, you know, half of the cropping land in Australia turn over to livestock anytime soon. So but most of those changes are gradual and incremental. So there might be a bit of volatility that comes with all that, given we enter into new markets, we don't have uh, the same pattern maybe to trade into that we've been used to seeing. 
And um, I guess from a year to year, you're going to not just see implications of our own trade efforts, but the domestic policies of those countries that would be in uh, the global market importing goods and uh, where tariffs come and go and different uh, production patterns come and go. And, and thinking about China a bit more, I mean, our industry has increased the value of its output significantly over a period of time and, and been impacted more recently by drought. But would it be fair to say that China's been more responsible for the value through price um, as opposed to an ever bigger uptake of volume alone? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that Australia's clean and green and high-quality image has certainly been a really core part of some of our exports to China. I've got to say that it's not everything. There's a mix. Again, we're talking about highly commoditised uh, produce versus non-highly commoditised produce. So when you get towards the more niche and the more high-value, more quality goods, um, they tend to be less highly commoditised. So with wheat, for example... They will pay a premium for really high-quality wheat, but a lot of it just goes into the bulk global trade pile. So we've got to remember with China, a lot of it really is about just the relationships that we have. And Australian exporters have focused so heavily on building those relationships with Chinese importers for years and years and years and decades even that they there's an easy tendency to fall into exporting to China um, when there may be other relationships out there to discover. And that's really what this whole process is about, is about looking looking to see what other connections can be made into other markets. Those relationships are valuable, though, as you say, aren't they? And um, one way or another, China will dominate global consumption um, and to have an effective and uh, profitable relationship with them, whether it's as high as the current concentration or not, probably still within the best interests of our industry. Oh, absolutely. China's going to be an incredibly important part of global trade and Australian Australian agricultural trade for years and years and years to come. Um, and I think the current situation, while it looks disturbing for many, should probably be seen in the longer term, hopefully, as just a, a, a smaller blip in, on the screen rather than a bigger change in our trading habits.